0: Hey everybody, welcome back to Wicked Garden Podcast. I'm your host, Mike, and tonight on the show is Witness G with me. Uh, We're going to do a little bit of a free form tonight, bring your own subject. But before we do that, we're going to take care of some business. If you have a haunting cryptid sighting, UFO sighting, anything along those lines, uh, we'd love to hear it. We'd love to have you on the show, give you the opportunity to tell your story. There's two ways of getting in touch with us. The first is via email, which is wickedgardenpodcast at gmail.com. And the second one would be our hotline, which is 609 800 5130. So you can give us a call there. So tonight, uh, we're going to talk about uh, the Falcon Lake UFO incident. Uh, G's got some stuff that he wants to bring up. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit, and we'll do all that right after this message.
1: I'm Nick, the host of the UFO Chronicles podcast, with firsthand witness accounts of the strange and unexplained covering UFOs, cryptids, conspiracies, and the paranormal. Real people, real encounters. So come with us on the journey into the unknown. UFO Chronicles podcast is available to listen to on all apps. I'll see you soon.
0: Yeah, so tonight uh got a couple different subjects, and G's going to actually go first, uh, do a little bit of uh, his stuff, and, and then we'll go from there. How you doing, buddy? How you doing, man? Good.
1: All right, well, I guess I should say what I originally wanted to talk about tonight. <laughs> right. uh, if any of the listeners out there got on this TikTok craze, uh, they probably, if they're listening to this show, they're probably looking at the paranormal stuff on there. And they probably have come across these, uh, probably a couple dozen videos of these black smoke rings. Uh, some of them have been in Canada. There have been some in the U.S., but I believe most of the TikToks are coming from Japan, actually. Ah. But uh, what it is, is are these giant black smoke rings that uh, people are that are just appearing. Nobody knows where they're coming from exactly. But uh, to me, it's it's obvious hoax of some sort. And I think TikTok's probably a good platform for hoaxes. And uh, I just, the more I researched it, the more I realized it really wasn't going to go anywhere. You <laughs> know, uh, we'd had a conversation, you know, talking about how, what we were going to talk about today. Just uh, briefing each other more or less the day prior to the episode. Right. And uh, we, I don't know how it happened, but we somehow got on uh, Timothy Brenner and Strange Familiars podcast. And I never listened to it, to be honest with you. I have a lot of podcasts in orientation, and for some reason I missed that one. And uh, I listened to it and I liked it a lot, so I kind of started at the newest episodes and worked my way backwards. And not this past show, but the one prior, which I believe was episode 219. He had a guy on named Rick, and uh, he had he had a story that is very similar to something I experienced that you know I talked about on the first episode that I was on. Right. Where I, I don't. Do you want to recap that real quick?
0: Yeah, yeah, you, uh, you were at Lakehurst, um, Yeah. you work I think you were going home from the gym, right, or you were going to the gym?
1: Um, no, down. I was just, I was uh, leaving the tower, I was just leaving the tower, okay. like a normal, my shift was complete, uh, I always worked nights, so I, I just got off, so I assume it's somewhere between 10 p.m. and 1 in the morning, I don't know exactly when, but it, it was definitely nighttime, I remember that clearly, and it would have only been nighttime anyway, but uh, the main road that comes on a base. If if you were going to turn into base, there's really the a primary entrance and exit, and it's a lands road. Okay. And this is a Lakehurst Navy Base. There's a super historic hangar there. It's the biggest hangar called Hangar One.
0: <laughs> yeah, it actually has its own weather system inside that hangar. That's how big it is.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it's uh it's it's highly associated with a lot of paranormal activity. Yeah, and I, I honestly I couldn't tell you those stories right now because it's been a while. But I know it's been on a few uh, like History Channel specials. I think there have been like ghost hunting teams and in they're investigating like regularly, not just the shows we see, but probably just some familiar groups. The uh, Lakers Historical Society is pretty good about working with anybody who wants to check it out. But yeah, uh. You know what it is, what?
0: dude, But by, by the way, not to interrupt you, but yeah, what's it, up? they, they nah, actually they actually have... Um, MUFON actually named their show after Hangar One. Um, their little TV show, their short-lived TV show that they had, I guess, on the History Channel or whatever, they named it Hangar One,
1: um, which is... You yeah, know, I, I know it was called Hangar One. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <clears throat> but what's crazy about this, every airfield you go to is going to have a series of hangers and there's always hanger one. Right. (laughs) But, but this one specifically is, is it's massive. It's the biggest hanger I've seen, you know, over my 20 years of controlling.
0: Yeah. I was not Uh, kidding when I said it had its own weather system.
1: It literally on the
0: inside, it's so big and that, you know, sometimes it it actually rain can form inside. I was reading an article about it the other day because I reached out to those guys and um, yeah, it's, it's actually that that huge, unbelievable. Yeah,
1: there's a there's no shit, man. There's a there's an actual. I'm not sure if it's in there right now. It was when I was there. There's a mock aircraft carrier deck in there wow. for training reasons. Oh. So I mean, and that only takes up a portion of it. You know, it's, it's huge. So you have aircraft in there. It, it used to. I think it still houses like a, you know, modern airships or blimps but I'm pretty sure that's where the Hindenburg was housed. And it's like right less than, you know, a quarter mile from where it went down.
0: Yeah. The Hindenburg and and uh, the Los Angeles too. The other famous, uh, the Los Angeles was housed in there too.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think we, I think historically when it started, I think we were actually, uh, this is way prior to the, uh, cold war, you know, but I think we were actually doing something with Russia, but, uh, this would have been, like I said, probably uh, I don't know forties fifties.
0: Yeah, yeah, somewhere around there. It's an amazing place yeah. and just a huge hangar. And I, I think the uh, gym is next door to it, right? That's that's where I got the gym out of the story.
1: Yeah, well, the gym was is directly across Lansdowne Road, which is that main road that comes through base. Like I said, the uh, major entry entrance or entry exit road is called Lansdowne. And that's where you'll see like the uh, the gate with the gate guards and the static display with the uh, fighter on it. It's it's that area. That's the road. And okay. you, if you're ever driving past the entrance, you're you're you've seen Hangar One. If you've just been in Lakehurst, you've probably seen Hangar One. It's huge, <laughs> right. but uh, but yeah, driving you you'll see it. It's, it. You can't miss it. I mean, there's a bunch of hangars, but it's the it's the one that's massive. So, <laughs> I was leaving work on uh, this particular night. And uh, I had hangar one would be on my right because I was exiting base. Okay. And directly across down Road from that is the gym. And uh, it's a long road from that gate to the airfield where I was working at. So, I mean, I I can see this thing. I can see the hangars, you know, well in the distance, you know. And I'm, I'm looking out for deer usually because, I mean, yeah. the base is full of them. But uh, there's some I guess major street lamps like uh you know nothing small like not like gas lamps or anything but like actual huge street lamps that are on each side of the road like staggered and uh when I got maybe between like an eighth and quarter mile from the hangar I could see like I could see something that looked like it to, to me at the at the time it looked like uh two animals basically like playing. Playing leapfrog, it looked like two rabbits hopping one over another, like just playing. That's what it looked like to me from you know far back. Yeah. But the closer I got to it, um I could tell it's with. I didn't. I don't even want to say it resembled because it didn't. It was. It was a pair of legs with sneakers, and uh, <laughs> they were they were solid. They weren't transparent or anything, but they were pretty much cut off, like right right at the knee above the knee.
0: Okay, so it was a good portion of it. You, you you could see up to the knee.
1: Yeah, and i i can't, I couldn't tell you what kind of sneakers it was, but it was definitely like <laughs> uh like whoever there was no pants. You know what I mean? It was like leg sneaker. Wow. And uh, they were white. i I couldn't tell you the brand or like what era of you know shoes it was. I could just tell you it was it was an athletic sneaker. And I just seen these. I realized when I got closer that it was, you know, feet and they were crossing the street directly in front of my car cool. from my right to left. So crossing the street from hangar one towards the gym. And, uh, man, the whole thing, it was, uh, so vivid. You couldn't see anything above that knee. And, uh, you, I could see gravel. I had my, my, uh, fog lights on. Uh-huh. There was, it wasn't like bad weather or anything like that is, and there's no way an actual person could have crossed in front of me cuz i could see directly above them cuz it was lit from above by the street lamps so it's like only where my only where my car lights were hitting did i see these legs if if that uh helps clarify what i was looking at but the whole thing lasted maybe seconds wow but it was so bizarre to me and uh i've never heard anything like that before i've never heard a report like that i was actually skeptical about telling you about it because i mean it just sounds it sounds crazy it's the opposite of what you would see in like a uh in like a cartoon or a movie or a television show like the classic ghost you only see like the top half of them floating you know but this was this was just straight up legs nothing else it was the complete opposite of what you would you know A classic ghost.
0: That's pretty crazy. But
1: I I mean, I I couldn't tell you. I don't. I don't. I'm not even saying it's a ghost. I don't don't know if it's a shadow person. But what I saw was definitely (laughs) legs.
0: Yeah. When I when I I was poking around the hangar one stuff from the other day, um you know, I I went to a couple message boards and I saw that a lot of people will see, you know, what what they think is maybe people who had died during the Hindenburg crash. you know that that's a lot of what people are talking about on the basis those ghosts um but Lakehurst just has a lot of paranormal activity,
1: yeah it does it's kind of a hotbed man it it really is I don't think a lot of people know outside of the you know the military working there,
0: yeah, my buddy but, and I, like I was telling you the other day, we're trying to I'm trying to get somebody to come on and talk about it a little bit. Um I haven't gotten an answer back on the email yet but my buddy and I are planning on going uh they have a tour that they do of hangar 1 and a museum and a museum shop because they're you know they're hawking goods too and they're trying to yeah. sell you some stuff and I, I think we're in for the first week in April believe it or not it's actually going to open up even with covid although Jersey right now is pretty good with the covid you know so Nice nice. Yeah, it's uh it's got a lot of activity. There's a lot of stuff there. Now, what yeah, I man,
1: I, I hope you can see it. And at some point, man, like whenever I'm back in town, I I think I can probably wing something where I can personally take you through.
0: Oh, nice. Yeah, I told you my crazy uh, nephew's story when he we went down to the the Marine Air Wing and he took us out on the runway and we weren't supposed to be out there. yeah Yeah. no I'm not going to do anything like that exactly (laughs) yeah so it it won't be the first time I violated base rules (laughs) (laughs) but yeah there's a lot of stuff going on there man I mean just I was just reading perusing some of the reports and I'm like wow you know soldiers talking about somebody on fire walking through the woods and and that kind of stuff you know the Hindenburg we still have to do the Hindenburg there's a a lot of different way uh, little stories with that um, whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, nobody knows how, well, that, I mean, if,
1: if we ever do like a just straight up Lakehurst episode, we definitely talk about, it. I mean, there's, there's so much, I mean, that that, that could easily be like a two part show. Yeah. If anybody's you know?
0: out there and they know anybody that worked at Lakehurst or if they've, you know, got any stories, you know, please get in touch with us. We would love to hear a little bit more about that, but you know, it, when you had talked about it a little bit earlier, the first thing I thought about was when I was a kid, and I can't remember where this was, I think it was in England, um, that there were monks manifesting in a church, and they would see the monks from like mid-shin up, and it was because the church that would have been around at the time of the monks, the floor was a little bit lower. You know, so once again, these, these... you know, figures are kind of correlating with the time that they're, they're you know, they were on the earth, I guess, is a good way of saying it. Once again, we're not saying it's ghosts, but, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting, man. It really is. You know, I, I guess it takes up so much energy to um, manifest, you know, and maybe they can't always yeah, fully yeah.
1: manifest. And why, why do you have, like, some people, you know, will see, like, a full-body apparition, and some people will just, see, you know, part of it. And something that you know, a lot of times I when I think I am seeing things because I mean it ain't just the legs that I've seen over the years. I I think I've seen two full body apparitions. I'm really going to go into it deep right now, but uh, it, it's it's pretty funny, man. That you, I can see things out of my peripherals that I'm definitely not seeing, like in my you know straight ahead vision. Right but I can still see them clearly, you know, and in these legs, I mean, I was looking dead at them.
0: Yeah. And we talked a little bit about this before. There's some sounds that can trigger you to see shadow figures. Um, you know, certain wavelengths, frequencies of sound, it's been proven that it can actually make you see shadow figures. I mean, in, in the ghost hunts that we've done and we're, you know, I'm just capping off. I was talking to you a little earlier, just capping off the Fort Mifflin episode. Um, we did have an apparition in that. We did have an apparition. Once again, it was a torso. Um
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's so what I was gonna just bring up too. Yeah, we'll it's, be we'll be talking
0: about that. It's not a it wasn't a full body apparition, but it was a torso and what what was seen of it had a lot of detail. So it's odd, right? You, know? you would think the whole thing would be there. You know Yeah, it, and it's
1: strange. Was there any lights associated with that? Like did you have a flashlight? We were
0: in there. Uh, And they've got some old wooden bunks in there. I I think they're probably not the original bunks. I think they're there just for effect. They kind of, you know, give the room purpose when you go in so you know what it was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we were in there. Yeah, we were in there, and I saw a flash of light up on the wall on the left-hand side, but it actually turned out to be Tracy was just trying to see if her flashlight was still working.
1: Yeah, so with the legs that I was just talking about, they did fade out, but what I could see because, I mean, I came to a dead stop in the road when I seen this. I wasn't gonna keep going. <laughs> it's
0: scared but, to shit. Uh, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. But what, where I could clearly see them, the further they got across the street, by the time it would have like you know walked up the curb on the other side, they were gone. But I could still see. I could still see like gravel being like moved around, you know? So I can no longer see feet, but I could see literally like gravel, like somebody would.
0: So you could like still an invisible see person was walking. You could still you know, see it, the physical effect that your apparition was having on the environment. Because, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And, I mean, uh, remember the old, uh, the old tool for ghost hunting too? you know, put some flour down on the floor and see if you get footprints,
1: you know? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's. Well, I mean, the, the the whole thing was so bizarre to me. <laughs> yeah, and,
0: and you're right. I haven't uh, heard a lot of. I have not heard a lot of stories about you know dis you know disembodied feet. You really, <laughs> you haven't heard a lot yeah. of them.
1: You know what well, was? I hadn't heard any. Yeah. So where
0: was his story? What What was the gist of his story?
1: Okay. So. Like I said, I just I just started listening to Strange Familiars last yeah, night. Yeah, it's, it's a great podcast.
0: It's, it's and, Tim's uh, just Tim's podcast is pretty much the reason that I started mine. Um, I was just I was always interested in doing something like this, and I heard Tim's, and you know he was real helpful when I got started, giving me some tips and hints and stuff like that. He's a great guy.
1: Awesome, awesome. Well, yeah, it was uh, the second to last episode at, at the time of this recording, which was episode two nineteen titled it walked in front of my car and this is guy, Rick. I mean, he's telling almost the exact same story as me, which is bizarre. And, uh, at, at first, you know, I was, it felt like instantly validating to me, yeah. you know?
0: Yeah. It's important because
1: I'd never heard another story like that. And, um, the more they talked about it, and it basically just the Rick story. Who was the guest on the show? Uh, he was, I think he was a pilot of some sort, and he was working at a naval airfield. Really? Yeah, yeah, which is, you know, very similar to, you know, what, what I told you. Is. Right. But uh, he walked, or he seen a pair of legs walk out in front of his car. He was also in his car, and it also crossed the street, and he said he could see, like, the old school... Like the navy bell bottoms, it was the old working uniform for a okay. long time.
0: Yeah, yeah, I remember those. Mm-hmm.
1: He said he could see like clearly uh, denim and black boots or shoes, you know, walking walking directly across the street, and he thought it was a person. Uh, even though he couldn't see the top half of them, he swerved, I guess, basically, and uh, you know, went off the road a little bit. And uh, he he was just freaked out about it. But the whole reason he was on the show is because he had heard other stories of disembodied legs on the show. So I was like, "Oh shit, I got to go back and try to find all these <laughs> disembodied leg episodes." You know? Yeah, I
0: listened and, to a lot of them. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head one.
1: Um, about yeah.
0: the disembodied <laughs> legs, but I'm sure there. Right.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I posted a comment for uh for Tim that you know maybe get back. I mean, uh, if he, if he's, you know, ha- if he has an archive of episodes where they're, you know, they're specifically talking about it, right. Maybe, you know, I could get hold of these other people and, you know, maybe we could, I could put something together, but, uh, you know, <laughs> basically just people that see disembodied legs and maybe get their stories. <laughs> that's a hell maybe of a, a, like, a whole episode out of it. That's but, a uh, hell
0: of a meetup group.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> but man, uh, the, the other episode i found was 171 it was this girl kelly also in her car and she was uh, i can't remember what state she was in but she was on a windy backwoods road right and she's seen a uh, like uh naked legs cross out in front of her only legs but like uh small legs like uh she described it as like a cherub but like she saw legs in a butt i only saw you know the bottom half of the legs it's, so it's crazy but uh well, you know what it's,
0: it's important when you have an experience to have validation you know to feel like you're not alone in the experience because we all when we have these experiences feel you know like somewhat crazy at first you know yeah, yeah. You get a grip <laughs> of it. so it's always good to hear that other people have have that story
1: yeah i know one thing i was thinking about i'm sure i don't know where i'm going with this but just the fact that all three of these sightings were in cars and of the legs crossing streets, you know, it, that's, it's bizarre enough that you're seeing only like disembodied legs, but the fact that, you know, my sighting and the uh, other two that I've heard w- were all in vehicles, you know? So I'm wondering if headlights have something to do with it. I you got know, you. maybe okay. like some sort of refraction where you're only, cause you know, the headlights are, unless you got your high beams on, I mean, they're they're aimed down, so right. I don't know if and that has something to do with it. They're halogen,
0: or or the light source is a halogen bulb, right? I don't yeah, know exactly. what the maybe it's a certain wave wave wavelength. Man, yeah, you know what? That's interesting, man. That's an interesting line of thought on the whole thing.
1: Yeah, and that's kind of why I want to compile more stories like this. Maybe I could put some together. And,
0: now you, you got know, me wanting to draw to add, some
1: sort of conclusion, man.
0: Yeah, now you got me wanting <laughs> to add a halogen headlight to. You know the ghost hunting equipment. Yeah, right. (laughs) You know, or or, some kind of
1: scan the darkness with that man. That would be bizarre if you were to come up with you know. Yeah, because you know something that way.
0: People are starting to get more and more stuff with full spectrum, Um, you know, full light spectrum cameras, which makes more sense. I mean, that absolutely makes sense that if you're getting all spectrum to light, you're going to pick up more stuff. Um, Yeah. yeah.
1: Going back to our girl, uh, Krista, (laughs) I think light has everything to do with it, man
0: i I do too, um you know we, we say it a lot, I repeat it a lot, but I just think we're so limited um with our senses, you know all of them I mean think about it, we're basically put on this earth to just go forward and survive, right i mean you you have the the package that's good enough that you can see a predator coming you know um out of the corner of your eye uh we don't have we're we are predators, so our eyes are are pointed forward. Prey, yeah. Prey's eyes are usually on the side of their head so that they can see behind them, too, as well. Exactly. But we're we're humans, so we're, our heads are, or our eyes are pointed forward. So, we are predators, but we're not yeah. top of the food chain predators. I mean, we Swine are. Trying a vegan. But that's because of, you know, <laughs> it's because of the brain. It's not because of the sensory package. That's for sure. You know, there's so many parts of the light spectrum that we can't see in. It's,
1: it's just, yeah, amazing. just, uh, yeah, man, long story short, I wanted to talk about those rings, but I kind of went down the rabbit hole and he's disembodied legs and I've been pretty excited about it. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to continue going down that rabbit hole and maybe we can yeah discuss it, you know, it, well, you know well, at length, maybe later on.
0: And we didn't talk about this before him, but I thought what you were going to do is you were going to say maybe it's trickster trickster ish because it is trickster ish, right? I mean, if you, if you're in a car and you're driving, you're looking for legs. Right. You're either looking for deer legs or you're looking for something to to cross the road. You don't have your eyes above it, because if you drive a car like I drive a car at night, I'm also scared to death to hit an animal. Exactly. I'm always trying to, you know, break for animals, uh, as the bumper sticker says, because I I'd be devastated for weeks if I hit even a squirrel. You know, I mean, I just know. I know. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm the same way. I've gotten a cat. In my thirty years of driving, I've gotten a cat and one time I got a rabbit, and it's just not a good feeling going home at night. So your eyes are naturally pointed down towards the road. So I was thinking you were going towards it, maybe being tricksterish, you know. But you, you're right with that the the headlights. It makes a lot of sense.
1: It could be. I mean, the guy Rick he swerved off the road, so there could be some tricksterish aspect to it. You know, if, if it was trying to cause harm or something like that, or, you know, just the tricksters, like the classic pranking that you see associated with it. So he went off the road, man. I came to a dead stop if, you know, if, they enforced speed on base pretty hard. So I was yeah. definitely not going fast, you yeah, know. yeah, But uh, I was like, what am I looking at, man? I, I had to slam on the brakes and just like, you know, Basically, take a couple deep breaths to make sure I was, you know, not dreaming. <laughs> exactly, it was so bizarre.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm not a big, huge trickster guy. Um, there's a lot of people in in you know the field who are big in a trickster theory. Oh, it's all just a trick. It's all just a trickster, you know, and all that other good stuff. I I think the guys who talk about this stuff are maybe a little bit too consumed with this and need to you know get out and get a hobby other than Paranormal stuff, you know. I think they just become so obsessed with it that they're looking for a a, looking for a solution. It's really not.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, for the record, I'm not. (laughs) I'm. I don't believe it's a trickster, or I don't know what the hell it is to be honest with you. But I'm not. I'm definitely not leaning towards like the gin. You know what I mean? Or any kind of trickster.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm not leaning towards that way at all. I think there's a rational explanation for this, and probably science can't explain it yet. But uh. I don't know, man. It, well, it was just bizarre, and know, I was happy to hear something I, similar to what I'd seen.
0: Yeah, and I, I love the fact that, you know, your mind went the way it went because, you know, I, I think it's really important that we break stuff down and take it for what it's worth and, you know, apply it to science and go from there. I mean, it's it, – I one thing we talked about this off the air, but one thing we want to do – Is we don't want to do show after show after show and never come to any kind of conclusions or ever never narrow anything down. And I think you can do that if you think scientifically. And it's it's a really good observation on your part. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, yeah. I just i I have at the green science. I'm science minded, man. I believe in the scientific method. Like I would. That's why I want to find more stories like this, man, and I put them together maybe look at it from different angles and try to see what I can come up with. But, uh, I think I, I ultimately want to find an answer, you know, that's, that's one of the reasons I'm so interested in this is,
0: yeah, I think I want answers. I think we get carried away with ourselves. Um, you know, we are top of the food chain. We dominate the planet. It's not a good thing. Um, you know, and I think we start to blow smoke up our own ass. You know, we really have a a shit sensory (laughs) package. Uh, you know, my dog hears better than I do, um, you know. So it's it's real important to to look at a lot of this stuff that's unexplained to us. And it may not be unexplained to, you know, animals or anything. Uh, uh, you know, they might be seeing this stuff. It might be just a common occurrence for them to take see this stuff going by. Yeah. I mean, t- tearing yeah. apart this Fort Mifflin stuff. In that, those audio tapes, there's layer after layer of, of audio evidence. I mean, you could go analyze those tapes till the cows come home and pick out different stuff. And it just makes me wonder, you know, is this stuff all really ghosts, you know, so to speak? Or is this just, do we, when we have conversations, are we making some kind of, you know, impression upon the world and... You know, then it just bounces around, you know, and just keeps bouncing around till the end of time. There's a lot a lot of things that I I think about when the TV's broken. Yeah. And I've
1: now, I'm drawing a blank a right now. What's hits. the <laughs> Yeah, right? What's the what's the term for when uh basically like they believe hauntings reoccur. I I, I used this word all the time and I just can't think of it right now. You
0: think you're, thinking, it's the you're talking it's, residual?
1: Yeah, residual. Yeah. yeah, I think a lot of that residual stuff, man, can can be explained at some point. And I think, like, there's been some lab studies about that uh, over years, like in the recent years. I think probably within the past five years, uh, somewhere I believe Cornell. But uh, man, I'm gonna have to don't quote me on that. I'm gonna have to look back into it. But they believe, like, uh, geologically, like uh, certain times, certain types of rock should be like recorded on. Okay. And basically loops, uh, like waves. So voices like sound waves stone, are st-
0: yeah, stone tape there. Yeah.
1: Yep. Yep.
0: Yeah. I, I absolutely think there, I, I absolutely think at the end of the day, we're going to find out that 99% of this stuff is actually just science that we don't know about or choose to ignore. <laughs> I, I yeah, really do. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, man. It really does. It's a, it's a it's a good line of. Th- I'm telling you tonight. I'm going to be sitting there trying to figure out what type of bulb is in a headlight, and trying to figure out if I can get a flashlight like that. I'm absolutely going to do that. Absolutely. If there is a difference. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. No, it's good stuff, man. I, I think on the last show we were talking about, there's a guy who has a Bigfoot video, and it's in Manitinko Ponds, which is down in southern New Jersey. Uh, he basically had a fuzzy picture that I had something furry laying under a tree, and he was saying that it was probably, it was well, he wasn't saying it probably was. He was saying it was a Bigfoot family. So we had some snow coming up, and I thought, all right, well, the week after it snows, I'll go out there and see if I can find any tracks. Well, number one, we didn't have enough snow in South Jersey for that to happen. We just had a dusting, and with the sun, yeah. you know, the sun melted it off. But we did take a ride over. Uh, there's a couple different entrances. I went to the this one. This is uh, you and Tracy? Yeah. I, and okay. we we took the dogs. We took the two dogs. Um, so they went with us, too. There was a couple different entrances to that area. Um, I think he might have been going in the other entrance, but it's not a huge area. So basically, if you're in there, and on the one side, you're probably seeing most of it. You know what I mean? So we went. Yeah, yeah. It was in sort of, kind of like a neighborhood. We parked down at the end of the street. There was a very small parking lot. We went in. Um, I, I'm pretty good at tracking. I, you know, what I'll do is I'll, I'll watch a lot of tracking videos. I'll watch a lot of stuff about footprints because we do do bigfooting on occasion, and I find it fascinating anyway. Um, you know, because we have fox here on the island, and I like to be able to tell, you know whether I'm seeing fox paws or dog paws. So I'm into that stuff. I'm pretty good at it. I, I wouldn't say I'm a world-class tracker, but, you know, pretty much all we saw with sneakers and dog prints. Um, yeah. There were no footprints that I would say. We, we came upon one, and it was funny because the guy was talking about this. He actually said he found juvenile footprints. Um, here's what we came. We did come upon a footprint that was small and I couldn't help but feel when I was looking at it, that it's probably just somebody taking off their shoe real quick to screw around with this guy, (laughs) you know, some kid or something along those lines. But um, yeah, yeah, it's a beautiful area to visit. Uh, We didn't see anything. We went in during the day. Um, It's not a huge area, so I, I can't see anything being able to hide out. We, we hiked pretty far in. Uh, and back out, maybe like a couple miles in and a couple miles back out, the trails kind of wander. You know, they kind of wrap around all the ponds and that kind of stuff. And there's a little bit of a river that runs, or a creek that runs through it too. Um, but I, I didn't see anything that I thought to myself was, was odd or, you know, an anomaly. We did see a beautiful um, uh, bardow. That was just fantastic. Yeah, Yeah, and it was out during the day, which was very rare. And it kind of flew across a path. That was weird to see it out during the day. So we did see that. So it was worth taking a ride over just to see the bar now. But as for any kind of Bigfoot activity, you look at the area. It's surrounded by neighborhoods. They're not super dense neighborhoods, but, you know, I don't know. I I don't see anything to it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, so, uh, let me ask you a question about that footprint. Sure. Uh, was it, like, what, how would you describe the terrain? Like, muddy? Uh, or, it's, like... Uh,
0: it's it's the usual South Jersey, like, sandy um, soil. So, what you're looking at is basically an impression in loose, coarse sand. And it was a right foot. Okay, gotcha. You could see all the toes. Um, I didn't see... Uh, the little tarsal break thing that goes on with Bigfoot. I didn't see anything along those lines. Oh, yeah, mid tarsal break. Yeah, and it was just one footprint, but there were a bunch of like sneakers near it, you know?
1: Yeah, that's why I was asking about the terrain. Yeah. Cause, uh, like, you know, if, if, if it was muddy at some point, I don't know if this just happens to me, but if I, I'm like running <laughs> in mud, uh-huh. I don't know if, if you've ever got like your, shoe like socked into the mud where you just run out of it oh hell yeah you know so <laughs> it could have been something yeah. like that you know
0: yeah and then maybe the guy put the, the shoe back on but yeah it was pretty, i i can't help but thinking that a bunch of people saw that and are going in there and screwing around right now you know what i mean i, yeah, I don't think he's be
1: totally malicious as well yeah you know? <laughs> just, I, I don't think
0: well that's ter- total jersey humor right right there yeah so <laughs> yeah exactly there's uh, I think I think he's posted a couple stick structure videos since then, but I don't, I don't really see anything too. It. But it's a cool place. Definitely going to take a ride back when we're in that area.
1: Nice, um, nice. Yeah. That's cool. You got to see the owl too, man. The owls kind of freaked me out, but yeah, yeah, uh, man. Especially barred owls.
0: It was very odd to see that. I thought to myself, yeah,
1: I've now? I've heard them at night. Uh, man, they can sound super scary. Like uh, yeah. I I thought a woman was screaming at the top of her lungs one night exactly and it was uh it was actually barred out
0: they're all over <laughs> they're all over near the quranza memorial and you go back there and you hear what you think is a woman screaming and that's what it is it's a barred out
1: yeah you know i i actually thought about that when uh well i mean the listeners will hear this pretty soon but when you do the mifflin episode you got an evp well actually two evps of uh like men like hair raising screams yeah and i i immediately thought like man that is that ain't no owl no. <laughs> no. <laughs> that ain't no owl
0: yeah no it's it's a little bit different yeah the bard owl is sort of kind of higher pitched you yeah know, it'll be like yeah. almost like a like a younger girl screaming exactly. so yeah
1: man i can't describe it man but they do freak me out yeah
0: so manatinko ponds not really too much to it in my opinion, but we'll go back. Like if I'm in that area, you know,
1: it's, it's cool. You got the investigation, you
0: know? Yeah. Yeah. If I'm in that area, we'll go back, you know? Cool. And I am in that area a lot, so I'll probably go back and take a walk through that area again, but not too much to that. And then, um, what I was going to talk about tonight is the, uh, Falcon Lake UFO incident, because, you know, we we wanted to talk when we were talking about UFOs, um, what we wanted to do is we wanted to prevent or present some cases that were really, really backed up by physical evidence. Um, and this would be one of those. This was up in Canada. It's probably Canada's best documented UFO incident. Uh, but not a lot of people talk about it. And what it was is there's a gentleman who came here after war, or came to Canada after World War II. Named Stefan Machalik. Uh, They pronounce it a couple different ways, depending upon what show you're watching, right? Some people say Mahalik, Some people say Machalik. So I'm just going to say Machalik. Stefan Machalik, he came here right after the Second World War, and he became a uh, mechanic in a cement factory uh, living in Winnipeg, Manitoba. And what he liked to do on the weekends is he was a huge rock hound. Loved to go check out Rocks. Uh, do that kind of stuff. So what he would do is on the weekends, uh, he would, you know, take a weekend off, go out to an area about 60 miles away called Falcon Lake. So uh, he was out there one weekend, um, had taken a bus out, uh, was staying at a hotel in town, and he was out at Falcon Lake, uh, minding his own business, just rock-hounding, pounding on some rocks, looking for some unique stuff. And he heard a bunch of geese down on the lake kind of, you know, get disturbed, right? So they, came, they they got up and they started flying away and he was watching it. And as he watched that, you could see up in the sky coming down towards the lake, there were two what he described as cigar-shaped uh, UFOs. And he said that they were cigar-shaped but had a hump in the middle. Now, he did a drawing of them and they are just classic saucers. It's, that's really what they are. And this was May 20th, 1967. So he sees these classic saucers with a hump in the middle. Uh, one kind of comes down and settles uh, on a rock. And another one kind of comes down but then takes off. Kind of, you know, doesn't, doesn't land with the other one. So he's kind of looking at it. And his first thought was, because he's a practical guy, science-based guy, he thought to himself, let me see if there's any markings on it. Because he was convinced it was some kind of special U- U.S. Air Force prototype ship, uh, he yeah. was yeah he was looking didn't see any markings, uh, so that kind of was a little bit weird for him. He thought even though they might be prototypes, they probably still mark them. What he noticed about the ship was that it was completely like a beautiful stainless steel type color, and there were no rivets or seams he basically said that it looked like somebody just milled this out of a solid piece of aluminum,
1: you know, well, wasn't there like a, some kind of pattern of dots, like a dot grid on it.
0: Yeah. So what of happens? Course. Yeah. So he, he did these drawings and what happened is like a half hour went by and he kind of got a little bit more curious because these things weren't moving. So he, he moved over towards where they were and he really still thought that probably it was just, a couple pilots in there and they were having some mechanical problems and he's thinking I'm a mechanic. Maybe I can help them out. So we got a little bit closer to it and there was a panel on there um, that had like a section of dots. It's almost like a grid pattern. Uh, And these, these dots were almost like giving off a little bit of heat. You could see a little heat coming off of it. Um, There was a door that was down to like a little ramp And he could hear what he described as children kind of arguing on the inside, but he couldn't make out what kind of language they were talking in. So he moved a little. Yeah, I thought
1: that was interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah, that he described it as children, and he's very specific about that. He said it was almost like young kids having an argument and some kind of disturbance. And he's you know a Polish immigrant. He speaks in kind of he speaks good English, but kind of broken English. But that's the way he. He described it as a couple kids in some kind of trouble, is what he said. So
1: yeah, and he's uh, he was multilingual, right?
0: Yes, he he knew at least four languages because what he did was he actually yelled in and he says, "Hey, Yankee boys, uh, do you guys need any help?" And the voices got quiet. So, but nobody answered him back. So he thought to himself, "Well, you know, maybe they could be Russians." So he knew Russian. And started talking to him in Russian. No response. Uh, So then he tried German. Talked to him in German. Once again, no response. And then he finally tried Polish. I don't know why he would try Polish. But he tried Polish. And there was no response with the Polish either. So. He was really, really curious at this point. So he kind of cocks his head and looks in at the. Uh, you know, cockpit, so to speak. And he sees a beam of light in the middle of the ship. And then all he can kind of make out is these light panels that are on the wall, different colored lights. But Uh his thought was that they were controls. With that, the ramp kind of comes up and he also could smell sulfur. You could smell like a sulfur smell to this.
1: Yeah. I found that interesting because that comes up in a lot of, a lot of different, uh, you know, whether it be paranormal or UFOs, like there's, there's even Bigfoot, you know, a lot of cryptids, there's always that sulfur smell associated with
0: it. Right. Which is, it's, you know, associated with a couple of different things, right? One is just kind of blinking into and out of existence. And the other thing is too, you know, there's a theory that maybe UFOs kind of hide out in volcanoes. There's that too. So there's a sulfur smell involved there. But he tried to touch it um, before the ramp came up. He tried to touch it, and he had some gloves on. And he touched it with his gloves, and it burned the ends of his gloves. You could smell his gloves burning. So this thing was hot to the touch. So uh, the, the ramp kind of goes up, and it starts, counter, it starts slowly turning counterclockwise as it lifts up in the air. And when it did, that grid, grid kind of spun around. And it, he got a blast of hot air out of it, and it set his shirt on fire. Mm-hmm. So now he's got this burning shirt, and he's trying to get that off. So he's, he's pulling off his shirt, and this thing keeps rising. It rose up to about 40 feet, and it just, he described it as disappearing. It sort of kind of didn't fade out, didn't, any, didn't do anything along those lines. So it kind of cloaked itself is the way he described it, and it just kind of blinked out. So he falls backwards, uh, gets this shirt, frozen it on the ground. Um, he looks at his stomach and his chest, and he can see that the grid pattern from the, the, the hot air coming out of that grid is actually imprinted on his chest, Burns some of his chest hair off, and then it also goes down to his upper abdomen. But immediately he started feeling sick. And his first thought was, "I need to get the hell out of here because I don't know what that was." Once again, he's not—you know—he's not saying it was a UFO. He didn't even think UFO. He thought it was some t- type of prototype spaceship. So he 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 says, "All right, I gotta I gotta get out of here." So he starts staggering down the hill, and he's feeling terrible. Um, you know, every few feet he's stopping to throw up. He's feverish. Um, he's got a headache. He just feels nauseous. He feels terrible. He reaches in his bag to get his compass. And when he pulls his compass out, his compass is just spinning. Like it can't get a reading. It can't find magnetic north. And, it, you know, the, 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 the little arrow is just spinning around and around. So he decides, all right, I'm going to try to guess where the southeast is because that's where his, his car was parked. So it took him a couple, three hours to actually get his way back to where his car was. He went into town, and when he was in town, uh, he did put a police report in. So whatever little town he was in, he put a police report in. But, and there's some controversy about that, and we'll talk about that afterwards. But he put really? the p- police report in, and then he took off. He went home. And he went back to Winnipeg. It took him nine hours in total to get back to Winnipeg. So he gets back to Winnipeg. And his son, Stan, was about 10 years old. And Stan kind of picks up the story and describes him being sick, uh, you know, for weeks at a time. Uh, He would throw up. He had this grid pattern on him. He wasn't getting any better. Uh, And also what Stan said was that, when his father was around, he smelled like sulfur and he smelled like, like an engine burning up is the way he described it. So this grid pattern that was on his stomach, they, they go and they go to the doctor and the doctor takes a look at it. And the first thing they think is they think radiation poisoning because he has all the symptoms of radi- radiation poisoning. It's like classic radiation poisoning, all the symptoms he's having. So yeah. they do testing and I guess they draw blood. You know, I didn't look into how they used to test for it back then in 1967, but they test and all the tests come up negative. So, you know, his, his marks kind of fade out a little bit and he's just starting to feel better. Uh, so six weeks later, he and a friend go out to go try to see if they can find this spot. So they go back to the spot. and They find a bunch of his stuff laying loose on the ground. Um, they find his gloves, they find the old burned up shirt. Uh, and he finds the spot, basically him and a friend. And this is six weeks later. So, uh, he comes back and within like three months, these sores that are on his stomach and it's, a um, there's pictures of this stuff. I mean, you can see it. They're amazing. Yeah. And these sores kind of like, they become raised sores. So once again, he has all the earmarks of being having some type of radiation poisoning. So this is when the RCMP starts coming around um, and they start asking him questions. The Canadian government comes around, uh, the Air Force, and they start taking reports from him and all that other good stuff. And he gets a fair amount of ridicule. Um, and he really sticks to his, I must have saw, prototype of some type of UFO. That was his... That was what he thought. That was what he thought until the day he died, actually. Was, that's yeah. what he thought. So every few months, even though this, the sickness and the, and the headaches and the vomiting kind of went away, every few months these marks would come back. Um, and for the longest time it was like that. They would just you know come up and they would just sort of kind of raise up and he would go to the doctor and the doctor would go, I don't know what to tell you. And it was so bad to the point that he went to the Mayo Clinic in Minnesota. And he went there, and they they had him inside. Uh, They took a look at it. They tested him for radiation sickness, same thing. They couldn't find anything. So he gets out of, of that, gets back from the Mayo Clinic. And about a year later, he goes out to the spot again, he and another friend. And they are, they take a radiation detected, detection device, and as they get close to the spot, there's all kinds of radiation. But in particular, one spot he finds, and he digs down about 18 inches, and they find uh, this odd silver. It's a, a very odd grade of silver. It's super pure, but it's coated with uh, a couple radioactive chemicals. And it was basically in the shape of it had melted and it was in the shape of, you know, the cracks between the rocks. So he's able to dig out like a half a jar of this stuff. Also, uh, so the government goes back out and takes a look at the spot. And when they went out, they found that there was actually a bed of radium underneath, which was what was given off some of the radioactivity, but not all of it. Yeah and they couldn't explain why this metal was there and was melted down between the rocks
1: so yeah it's pretty hot man yeah
0: so he, he you know he carries on in life and you know it's coming up every once in a while and he tells his story and you know he he doesn't do anything else he's you know he's not uh, saying that he's been abducted he's not saying that he lost any time or any anything along those lines but you've got his burnt gloves you've got his burnt shirts You've got his physical appearance with those grid marks, exactly yeah, the way he drew them. Yeah, yeah. The photos are amazing, and there's tons of physical evidence on this one, including the metal. Now, there are some people that say that the metal proves that it was a hoax because of how long he waited to go out and find it. They, they feel that the the story wasn't getting any traction. You know, but he went to his grave saying that, you know, it was absolutely not a hoax. And I think it's one of the most well-documented cases ever. Now, there was a couple problems with it. Number one was the police report that he filled out when he got back to the original town where his, um, his yeah, hotel yeah. was. let's talk time. about that. yeah because when you read it and i tried to find a copy of it online there was a copy of it on a youtube video but you couldn't see the whole report but basically what the cop was saying was he told him the story and then the cop was trying to get him to come a little bit closer so that he could smell if he had alcohol on his breath and he wouldn't close distance with the cop like he just kept saying no stay away stay away uh, because you'll get the radiation sickness. That's what he told the cop. So there's a lot of people that find that a little bit fishy. Um, and then also, like I said, with the metal, you know, they they find that a little bit fishy. Like, why did, you know, he even bother going out a year later? Uh, and, you know, they feel that maybe he might have planted this metal there to just try to get some traction on the story. But interestingly enough, um, Chris Rutkowski is one of the biggest – UFO um, researchers in Canada, and he loves this case. He's actually stayed friends with Stan Michalik, the son, and they kind of wrote a book together about it. It's a 300-page book uh, with incredible documentation about this whole thing. Um, But, you know, he swears up and down that one of the things that happened was uh, Mayo Clinic later on Uh, refused to admit that they had treated him. So, you know, Stefan had records of paying bills for the Mayo Clinic, of course, right? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But he didn't actually, he couldn't get any, any files out of them as to what they found. And they basically said, we have no record of you ever being here. And that was the start of a lot of what the family claims to be, you know, like men in black type things that went on with them over the yeah. years. Yeah. It's a pretty crazy story, man. I I, yes, well, I I think one of the most, most well-documented and the whole black men in black aspect of it has me interested. Now there was none of that information online and supposedly it's in the book. I'm definitely going to try to see if I can get the book and read it. I would love to hear more about that.
1: Yeah, I think we talked a little bit about it off air, but uh, you know, it, Falcon Lake was in Manitoba, correct? Yes,
0: it's, it's sixty miles uh, due east of Winnipeg,
1: and it's yeah. In so that's like that over the years has been like a ridiculous UFO hotbed. Yep, and you know we talked a little bit about there being the base there, you know, the Canadian Air Force, and you know, mistaken, you know, sightings, but. I mean, you can't argue with demand of sightings coming out of that area is pretty wild.
0: Yeah, and what you know, what we wanted to do was stick with mostly physical evidence when we talk about UFO experiences, and this is one that you cannot deny. Uh, you know, the pictures are right there for anybody to see this online. Exactly. And, exactly. Yeah, and I think it's, I think it's season five, episode eight of Unsolved Mysteries. Uh, and they actually did it twice. As a matter of fact, they did it once with the old host, uh, the untouchables dude that I can't remember his name right now. <laughs> and then they also, yeah, Robert, Robert stack. Robert stack. <laughs> yeah. And then they also did it again with Dennis Farina. And it was basically just they the did. same. Yeah. They, they basically just did the same segment, but it's absolutely amazing. The amount of documentation with this and the interview with Stefan himself is pretty impressive. Um, you know, he's, he seems like a very blue collar down to earth guy. His son said, if my dad hooks this, well, when he's a genius, you know, it's kind of the way he put it. And I, you know, after I looked at it, I would have to agree with it. It's one of my personal favorites. When I look at, you know, UFO incidents, Um, that's one that I can hang my hat on and say something crazy went on there.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, uh, I'm not 100% sure about where these other cases happened, but I want to say uh, possibly Vietnam and uh, Brazil maybe, but there was similar cases of uh, like the exact, almost the same pattern that he had on his, uh, on his torso was showing up in other people also having like radiation sickness and nothing could be found. Really? This is something that happened. Yeah. Like entire villages. So, wow. yeah, they, I mean, I, I definitely want to look back into that more, but there's yeah, uh,
0: like, was it part of the I, propulsion system or was it a weapon? Right.
1: That's, yeah. Cause they described, I remember, I, like I said, I have so much just useless junk floating around in my head, <laughs> but I, re, I can't tell you where it was, but I, I do remember that it was a, I feel like a Pacific village of some sort. And, uh, over the years there was, you know, like seasonally. There would be uh they they would see these lights in the jungle, and like basically uh like uh they would get lasered, like almost like a ray gun coming from the sky, oh, and uh, wow. just whenever it would touch them, man, they had like almost the exact same pattern is is a I can't think of his name right now, Stefan. Yes, yeah, Stefan. But uh. And also, like the same, the same thing with the sickness and okay. the repeated, like you know, recovery. They they would start to recover, then they would, you know, their health would go downhill again for a little bit. It was just like a up and down of you know, health related problems, and the, those uh, marks never went away on these people. Well, they both Berks- very almost the exact same pattern. Wow,
0: that's crazy. Yeah, I'm, definitely, man. Look into that. See if you can bring that to the next show. A couple follow ups on that.
1: And yeah, for sure. I'll I'll definitely do that.
0: Unsolved Mysteries, you know, the new one, um, one of the best shows is the Berkshire UFO show. And that talks about, that talks about radiation sickness. I think um, the, the gentleman who is the main, well, not the main experience. There's a couple of them. There's two different guys and and a, and a woman, but the one guy, his mom and grandmother died of cancer. And they were talking about being exposed. It was almost like they were exposed to radiation. Stefan, um, he died in 1999. But uh, in the 90s, you know, if he was around, you know, he would let you kind of touch the stomach where the spots were. And wherever those uh, spots were, it was a little bit harder. There was subcutaneous scar tissue there. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy, man. Um, but, you know, there's a perfect example of a physical effect, you know, from a UFO. I mean, I think – I, I want to do a whole show. I, I, I love this concept. I want to do a whole show on what we can tell from UFO reports about, you know, who could possibly be inside the UFOs. So, in other words – the physical characteristics of the UFOs, what does that tell us about what, what's inside? You know, And also the way they react here when they come here, if they are coming here, and their lack of interaction with us, what does that tell us about them and perhaps what's going on between us and them over time? I mean, I think one of yeah. the biggest reasons they, they don't make contact is because we have fired shots at them. I absolutely think that's the reason why, you know, we've been hostile to them, to, towards them. So there's a, I, I definitely want to do a whole show about that. I'd love to get Kevin on and talk about that a little bit too, because I have some ideas. Oh yeah.
2: yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So that was the Falcon Lake uh, UFO incident, um, and I'm trying to. What, right before I was coming on, there were there were some. Stuff online I'd watched, Nick Pope was talking about there being possible radiation sickness from some of the people at Rendlesham who uh, have seen UFOs and and had encounters with UFOs. Now, Rendlesham's kind of become the British Roswell um, with so much disinformation and so many people claiming to have some kind of experience there at Rendlesham, you know, pretty much anybody that was ever station there all of a sudden had some kind of an encounter with a UFO. So you got to take everything you get from that with a grain of salt. But, um, you know, it, it would be interesting to just go over that subject as a whole and just do a show
1: on it. Yeah. For, I mean, for sure. I, I think we should, maybe we should just concentrate strictly on uh like the, uh, radiation sickness and associated with like, uh, UFOs, but I'll, I'm going to look up those two other, uh, Spots like I said, I I believe it's Vietnam and Brazil, but I'm not 100 percent sure, and uh, I think I'll deep dive that for the next uh, episode we record.
0: Nice.